Now we're on. Hey, you can hear me now. Good morning. One more time. Um, we're glad you joined us today. We know whether you choose to join us physically or digitally, we thank you for being here and sharing this opportunity to worship together. Um, before we get started in our study of Ruth, uh, following through where we've been going, I want to remind you that we are instituting uh, classes. Um, that's going to start October the 4th. And uh, that is uh, both children's and adults. There will be an adult class in this room. And uh, that class is going to be God's words. And basically, we're going to take all the, uh, the churchy words, uh, some that we use that we don't really think about, and uh, sin and faith. And then the bigger ones, justification and sanctification and all the vacations. And, and uh, we, will, we will look at all those and, and talk about what do these really mean? And so each week will be a different word. Um, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, Todd and Evan are going to be teaching youth and college and uh, young adults and uh, in the uh, fellowship hall in the youth area. Um, we got a ton of kids over here in the, uh, that are going to be in classes, and so we're excited about that. I'm personally more excited about it because we're getting close to something that looks somewhat like normal. Um, obviously, I'm looking at all of your eyes and no mouth, so we're not normal, but you know what I mean. We're getting closer. We're going to get there someday. I have faith. Um, we've been walking through the book of Luke, I mean the book of Luke, the book of Ruth. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, and we've been walking through the book of Ruth. Yeah, I'm going to get it eventually, I promise. Um, and this week we want to talk about a concept, but I want to start somewhere else. I want to start in the New Testament. Colossians 3, verse 14. Read this with me. And over all these, put on love. That is the bond of perfection. Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. First uh, Corinthians 13, of course, and if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. When you read through the letters of Paul, for Paul, it is all about love. Love is the supreme thing that he's trying to teach. Because, as he says in 1 Corinthians, he says it in other books as well, love trumps everything. Love is, is, is more important. Love is greater, even than faith. Um, love is what it's all about. Christianity, in a nutshell, is us walking in faith, trying to live in love like our Savior, like Jesus. I grew up in church, and, and I heard all the sermons about love. If you grew up in church, you heard the Greek word sermon, right? Everybody, some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are waking up, saying, why is everybody nodding? The, 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 if you grew up in church, you heard the sermons that there were different types of words for love, and you heard the sermons about agape. Now, now there's, a, there's a word that we've all heard. Um, agape is, is one of those churchy words that uh, it's a Greek term that Paul uses. All those words, all those scriptures that I read, the, the translation of the word love that he uses in those specifically is agape. And agape means this, uh, this, this self-sacrificing, undying, 
undeserved love. And it, it makes for some really great sermons. But Paul, like most people who are bilingual, is thinking in, in one language, and he's trying to communicate that in a different language. And that doesn't always work. Paul is latching on to agape because it's the closest to, to the Hebrew term that he's trying to communicate. See, Paul calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is a Pharisee. He is a teacher of the Torah, the Old Testament, we call it. He, he is a teacher of the Mosaic Law. And he's trying to communicate a concept that permeates through Scripture and that is found throughout the Old Testament some 276 times. He's trying to communicate this concept of chesed. Now, hesed is a, a Hebrew word. It, it is, uh, it, it's difficult to translate just as much for us as it was for Paul because it, it's, it doesn't have a direct English correlation. You'll see it in your Bibles as loving kindness. You'll see it in your Bibles as steadfast love. You'll see it in your Bibles as mercy. Uh, you'll see it in your Bibles as kindness. And, and none of those really do it justice. None of those translations really capture what hesed means. The closest concept really is agape. That's why Paul latches on to that. Because it's that undying, undeserved, self-sacrificing love. And, and he's trying to communicate this because of the 276 times it's used in the Old Testament, the majority of those are used in correlation with God's hesed for mankind. It's generally God, uh, how he, uh, he has this relationship with us, and, and it encompasses the entire nation of Israel, but even all the world, all humanity. Like in Psalm 36, it'll talk about uh, that God's, God's, God's love for, for everyone. Your, his, his unfailing love uh, is one way that's translated. How, how God's hesed uh, fills the earth in, in Psalm 33. We, we'll see uh, that, that his, his, uh, his, the earth is full of his hesed, his unfailing love. But hesed can also be shared horizontally. And, and, and just like we as Christians attempt to show the grace and love of Jesus to those we come across, hesed can be shown, this loving kindness, this unfailing love, this steadfast love can be shown to people around us. And that's what's happening in the book of Ruth. See, in order to fully understand Ruth, in order to fully understand most of the Old Testament, you need to understand hesed. Because this concept, it permeates everything, and, and it is one of the key words that controls the entire text. Not just in Ruth, but throughout the Old Testament. Here in Ruth, the word occurs three times. At the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. It, it is used in the beginning to talk about the, the undying, unfailing love that Ruth shows to her mother-in-law and to her family. It's going to be used in the middle to talk about what we were talking about last week, that, that Ruth makes this outrageous request of Boaz, and Boaz, in turn, lavishes this outrageous response on her. And, and the idea of this upstanding, wealthy, righteous man inviting a poor, barren Moabite to sit at his table is outlandish. 
And when Ruth comes home and tells Naomi about this, Naomi calls that hesed. It's, it's amazing because Naomi, well, look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not left off his kindness, his hesed, from the living and from the dead. The Hesed of Boaz, this, this crazy love, this crazy over-the-top response that he shows, it, it rekindles something in Naomi. Remember, we talked about Naomi's been in a deep depression because she's felt like she was beat down. She's felt like God had deserted her. And, and she is, is holding on barely. And when she hears what's happened to Ruth, it rekindles something in her. It makes her remember not just the hesed of this man, but the hesed of her God. And it reignites a, a ray of hope. Because hesed is fundamental to understanding God. In Exodus, when, when God passes before Moses, it's... it's the very essence of his being. In Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, it said, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, your version says, but hesed, and faithfulness, keeping hesed for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Hesed is who God is. God says this word is what defines my character. It defines who I am. Unfailing, steadfast love. A, a, a love that will not let you go. If you ask people today, what does it mean to be a Christian? You'd get a lot of strange responses, right? It would be people who go to church. It would be uh, maybe people who follow Jesus, maybe people who pray, maybe people who are against gay marriage, maybe people who are, are voting Republican, maybe people who are, I, I don't know, you, 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 could, you could get all these responses. But that's not what God says he's looking for. God's not looking for me to go to church. Hosea, uh, it, it really encompasses this. We talked about Hosea in the past, but Hosea 6, verse 6 says, For I desire steadfast love. You know, it might be translated mercy, but I desire hesed. That's the word. For I desire hesed and not sacrifice. Knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God says, I want you to live out your character in the same way I live out my character. I want you to demonstrate steadfast love, unfailing love, never give up love. Rather than worship. It's important for us to unpack that because God says there are things that are more important than going to church. Now, Going to church is important. I'm not taking anything away from that. I, I think we would all agree that, that being in community and sharing faith with one another is, is strengthening. It is uplifting. Sharing communion together. It's hard to have communion by yourself. And so sharing communion together uh, it, it is, is all part of this, this coming to church. But God says, that's not what makes you my follower. What, what I'm looking for is steadfast love. As I've said before, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It, it just, it, 
just because that's where it comes from doesn't mean that's what it is. God says, I'm not looking for this. This is part of it. But what I want from you is this hesed, this steadfast love. Jesus is going to quote this passage in Hosea later. He's going to say to a bunch of Pharisees, go figure out hesed, and then you'll understand who I am and what I'm doing. Now, that's the Jeff paraphrased version. But he's saying, you go learn what this means. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's what he actually says. He's quoting Hosea. And he's saying, go figure out hesed, and then you'll understand me. If you understand hesed, then you'll understand agape, and then you'll understand grace, and it will change the way you interact with the world. Because it's, it's, it's this never giving up on you kind of love. It's, it's, it's not easy to define. It's not easy to nail down. And, and it doesn't have a direct English translation. It's, it's something like favor, but it also has an element of kindness. It's, it's, it's a little bit mercy, but it's, it's more than just charity. It's, it's a lot like love, but it's more than an emotion. It's, it's steadfast love, never-ending love. Hell will freeze over before I ever give up on you kind of love. That's what we're talking about. It's the core of God's heart. It's his very essence. It's who he is. God's has said is the essence of his being. His steadfast, never-ending love that will not let go of us even when we should have been let go. See, the story of Ruth is not about the determination of this young woman. The story of Ruth is not even about the faith of this young woman. The story of Ruth is about Hesed. And it's about how the hesed of God interacts with these lives of these people even when they don't know it's happening. It's about how this unfailing love of God, how God's hesed is on display in this book. God's hesed is on display in the lives of these people. And, and even towards the end of Ruth when it's going to tell us that the lineage of Ruth and Boaz will lead to King David. See, Elimelech and Naomi had wandered away. They had gone to another country. They were living in another culture. They had wandered away from God, and yet God's steadfast love, God's said, had never given up on them. He brought them back. He brought her back because God doesn't forsake his children. It's not because we deserve his love. It's, we're, we're sinners. We all admit that. It's not because we're good or righteous or, or, or that he needs us in any way. It's because God is, has said, God is this unfailing, this steadfast love, this covenant faithfulness. Hesed is a, is, is a covenant term. It, it, it's wrapped up in itself in, in all the, the positive attributes of God. Love and covenant faithfulness and, and mercy and grace and kindness and loyalty. It, 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 it is God's very being. Hesed is, is a love that we find only in the perfection of God. Yet when God's children are transformed to bear His image, it's something that we attempt to reflect in our lives and to one another. God's said will not be broken. It stands forever. The, the, the bottom line, there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Now, if you learn nothing else from Ruth, come away with the concept of said. 
the absolute most important thing you can learn. You cannot make God stop loving you. Now, I know, here comes all the yabbit birds. You know what a yabbit bird is? Well, yeah, but what about this sin? Yeah, but what about this lifestyle? Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? There is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Well, yeah, but what, what, if, you, what if you live this, this, this certain way and you commit this same sin over and over and over? You mean like deliberately disobeying a command of God and marrying a foreigner? A Moabite? That's going to happen. And God's going to demonstrate his said by blessing them not just with a lineage of a king, but a lineage of his Messiah. Well, what about uh, if you do this sin or you do this thing that's, that's so unbelievable, like, like, I don't know, like worshiping a God that demands human sacrifices. That was the God of Moab. See, there's nothing you can do that makes God stop loving you. In Ruth, we see God take the child of a prostitute. That's Rahab and Salmon. That's Boaz. And is going to marry him to a Moabite who is the product of an incestuous relationship for Lot. And from that, and from his own hesed, bless the entire universe with a Messiah. That's the God we serve. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. There's no way we would ever do something like that. Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Right? Lamentations 3.22. Because the earth is full of the goodness, hesed, of the Lord. Psalm 33. Because I will sing of the mercies, the hesed of the Lord forever. Psalm 89. Because his mercy, his hesed, Psalm 107, endures forever. There is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Now, you can walk away from him because he's not going to force you. But he will still love you. Paul's going to attempt to explain that hesed this way in Romans. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This morning... That's what we're here for. That's the good news. The gospel that, that is not just found in the New Testament. It's found throughout the scripture. The gospel, the good news is that God loves you. And there is nothing you can do to change that. He loves you so much, the Bible says, that he was willing to become one of us to be ridiculed, scorned, humiliated, and tortured, and put to death so that you might be able to live with him. That's hesed. That's unfailing, never give up, steadfast covenant love. God will never stop loving you. Now, how you respond to that, that's up to you. Because he's not going to force you. Somebody asked me this week, how does a loving God send people to hell? And I said, he doesn't. People making decisions send themselves to hell. Our loving God is doing everything in his power to bring you home. 
it's to stop fighting that. If, if you're living this morning and, and you're like, well, Jeff, you don't understand what, what I've done and what I've been through, hear me now, there is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. And whatever sin it is you think that you have committed that's keeping you from God, there is nothing that the blood of Jesus Christ can't cover. This morning, we offer an opportunity for you to respond to that uh, in an invitation song. That means we're going to sing a song. It offers you an opportunity to come forward to let us pray with you, to let us lift you up in prayer. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective because it, it is an opportunity when you don't even have faith enough to pray to, to come and let the church lift you up. You'll hear me say a lot, prayer is the work of the church because that's what we're here for. We don't have any power. We don't have any righteousness. Anything we have comes from God. It comes through Jesus Christ, and we would love to help you find that yourself. If you're watching at home and you're figuring out how do I respond to this, send us a message. Send us a Facebook message. Send us an email. However it is that you need to respond, I promise you, if you ask for prayers, we will pray for you, not just this week, but in the foreseeable future. However we can help you, however we can connect you with this unmoving unfailing, steadfast love of God. Let us help you this morning right now while together we stand and sing.